Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So friends, I am seriously so excited for you to meet today's guest. Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Danielle Byer Jackson. Danielle is a certified friendship coach, talk about best job title ever, and a national speaker who works to teach women how to create and maintain better female friendships. And guys, I have to say, Danielle is incredible. Get out a pen and a piece of paper because you are gonna wanna take notes during this episode. Just trust me, get that pen, get that piece of paper, you're gonna need it. So in this episode, I asked Danielle some of the trickiest questions about friendship. These are things that I know so many of us are dealing with, and I'm gonna go ahead and speak for all of us when I say that we have no idea how to navigate these things. I brought her questions like, okay, it seems like everyone else already has a best friend, and I would really love to have a best friend, but I have no idea how to make a new best friend as an adult. Any ideas? Or, I used to be really close to one of my friends, but it feels like our friendship has changed and faded over the years, and I'm not sure what to do about it. I asked her, how do you know when it's time for a friendship to end, and how do you go about ending it without being a total jerk? I asked her, what do you do if you're in a friendship that feels one-sided, when you feel like you are always the one putting in the most effort? Or what about this one? I always feel like I'm the odd one out. In every friend group, I always feel like the extra, like I never fully belong, like I'm never fully chosen. What do I do about this? I asked her, how do we go about finding our people in the first place? How do we create long lasting friendships as adults? And that's just the beginning. You guys, if you're walking through something tricky in one of your friendships, or if you're just wishing that you had better, closer friendships at this point in your life, this episode is for you. Danielle has so much wisdom to share with us today. I can't wait for you to hear from her. So you ready? Let's dive in. All right, you guys, I'm sitting here with someone that I have been wanting to meet myself and someone I've been wanting you guys to meet for a really long time. I'm sitting here with Danielle Byer-Jackson. Danielle, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah. Welcome to Girls' Night. It's it's technically morning, but <laughs> I don't know. We're calling it a Girls' Night anyway. Okay. So can you tell us, for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, tell us who you are, what you do, and I'd love to hear a fun fact about you. Yeah, so I'm Danielle Byer Jackson. I am a friendship coach, which normally gets, you know, a, a suspicious eyebrow raise. People are like, girl, is that a thing? And it's totally a thing. I always argue if you can get support for other areas in your life, a business coach, and these days a sleep coach, why not support for what I would argue is one of the most important relationships you'll ever have. And so I've been doing this work specifically for two years. It's been amazing. It's been a really fun journey. And um, and I'm excited to, to have conversations like these with women like you. Um, as far as a fun fact, I don't know if that's like super fun, but um, when I was in college, I had a band. And so while other girls were doing their sorority meetings and things like that, I was always at band practice and that is like a past chapter and I miss it, but those were fun times. <laughs> what kind of band and like where, what piece of the band were you? It was, so I was vocals, you know, I had my, you know, little stage name and, and it was a good time, but college is fun in that way where you get to just explore other sides of yourself. And, um, and it was, it was 
fun. I'll just say it like that. Okay. You said stage name. I have to at least ask. You don't have to tell me, but can we know the stage name? (laughs) I'm going to politely say no, Stephanie, because I have, we tried to wipe YouTube clean of all those things. That is. Um, But, but it was fun. It was really fun to just, you know, I was, I was the girl up front and, and the guys were playing the instruments behind me and it was just such a good time. That's so awesome. Yeah, I, you know I had to ask. Everyone listening is like I know, going to be mad if I don't <laughs> ask you what the stage name was. Um, that's so amazing. I love knowing that about you. Okay, so I I love the work that you do. I love the work that you do. You and I were just chatting before we started recording, and I was telling you that friendship is truly like, I mean, one of the most important parts of my life. And saying it that way even feels like it's an understatement. My life has been totally transformed by my girlfriends. Like I, they have been instrumental in so many of the biggest transformations in my life, the biggest moments in my life, the hardest moments in my life. Um, I really am who I am because of the women that are in my corner. But I was telling you, and this is something that I've been unpacking like recently, actually in counseling, that some of the things Like, you know how in different seasons of life, different kind of broken parts of your heart sort of rise to the surface and you're like, ooh, why do I do that? (laughs) Or like, why do I respond this way to something? Um, Why does that kind of trigger me in that way? And what I've been realizing is that while I have, I would argue, the best friends in the whole world, I also haven't always had the best friends in the whole world. And I've had some really tough friendships in the past. And especially early on in life. And those are some of the things that I'm unpacking now where it's like, I was taught to kind of respond a certain way, maybe back even in like middle school to something. And I still, you know, my husband Carl says something and I respond in a certain way. It's like, why do I do that? And some of the stuff really goes back to early friendships and, you know, just friendships along the way in my life. And so I feel like we can be the best parts of each other's lives as friends, but also we can do some real damage. And that's why I, I just love the work that you do because these topics feel really personal to me right now. I'm just kind of uncovering a new layer of like growth and healing and reflection in my own life. So um, how did you, where did this start for you? What is your friendship background? Like, how did this become such a passion for you? You know, I've grown increasingly comfortable very recently of sharing my own story because I've always been like, well, you know, I want to approach this professionally. And as a coach, it's not about me. It's about the women. And and then I realized like, well, maybe it's helpful to kind of, you know, sometimes share, you know, your personal narrative. And for me, I wish I could give you some uh, really fluffy cotton candy story about how I've just always loved other women and my heart is just for other, you know. I am so passionate about working in this space because I know what it feels like to not have strong platonic relationships with other women. I have been a mean girl in high school. Um, I've been the girl who was like, I'm, you know, I'm not like other women. I just get along great with guys because women are, they are dramatic. I've had all those mindsets before. I have also had the experience of what life is like without. Uh, the support of other women. And so as I've unlearned some things and fallen out into really great, healthy, strong, long-lasting friendships, I'm almost operating from a space of, I don't want you to continue to go through what I went through, as opposed to like, oh, I have all this fun research about friendship and I want to share it with you. It's kind of like a, 
I'm the ghost of Christmas past (laughs) or Christmas future. And I'm telling you, if we don't get it together, I can tell you personally how isolating you will feel, um, how broken you may be if you don't, you know, not only don't cultivate strong friendships, but the qualities to maintain a strong friendship. And and a lot of this stuff is just purely relational, period. I'm surprised by how much I learn being in this space. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could also use this in my marriage. I can also use this at work. A lot of it is just fundamentally relational. And so to do the work to be a good friend, attract good friends, and to sustain great friendships is something that I've come to see is super important in every aspect of life. And so that's what makes me so driven to make sure that we all get the message loud and clear. I love that. And I'm so glad that you share that in your own life because I think that's a a lot of the way that I approach things too, where I'm like, I'm not a researcher on this topic. I just have been there and I just don't want you to have to walk through this by yourself. Or I don't want you to get lost as many times as I did along the way. Like, let's make your path a little bit shorter. Let's make it easier. Um, And so I, I love that you're paying it forward in that way. So I, I've, I've been following you on Instagram for a long time now. And there are so many things that you talk about that I, I'm like, okay, we have to ask her about that. We have to ask her about that. So I may be jumping all over the place a little bit, but I'm basically just trying to ask you about as many things as possible. So, you know, we've talked about how friendship is so important, but you know, something I've, I've gotten to really experience is that adult friendship is, is trickier than friendship uh, or tricky in different ways than friendship earlier in our lives. I moved to Nashville right as I was getting married, and I did not know a single person other than my husband. And that was the first time I had had to like be the new kid in a long time, and first time I had to make friends from scratch. And it was totally humbling and intimidating. And really, making friends as an adult is hard, and, and keeping friends as an adult is hard too. And so, one of the things I know you you talk about is friendships fading in and out of our lives. Uh, you've I've heard you say it happens like every few years. Can you talk to us about this? Because I've never heard anyone talk about this before. Sure. Yeah. So hands down, the number one question I get is how do I make friends? Hands down. And typically it comes with some kind of qualifier. So it's how do I make friends as a new mom? How do I make friends as a person who's new to the city, as a college graduate? And I hope what that teaches us is that you will always be doing it. There is no, oh, I I should have made my friends in high school and now I'm set. You will always be doing it. Once you get married, you get a new job. You will have to exercise the skill of cultivating something with other people and and being social and and growing close to them. That will never stop. So I hope that, you know, just kind of absorbing that truth makes some of us comfortable with the fact that, oh, I find myself in that season right now and I've been feeling like I'm behind. No, you're right on track and you will have to do that several more times. so let's get that out there. In terms of friendship fade and things like that, research tells us that we replace about half of our friends every seven years. What's interesting to me is, you know, I, God, I feel so like saying this, but I've I've kind of gotten really comfortable on TikTok. Like TikTok's my jam now. That's and amazing. it's funny because, you know, <laughs> so I, I posted a video 
recently on there and um, it just stated this fact. It was like seven second video and it just had that fact on there. It was fascinating to me to see um, the thousands of comments and to see how people interpret that information. You have some people who say, uh, oh, this is so me because when I look back, oh my gosh, I, I this, does, this totally applies. Then I have people who are like, oh, I guess this doesn't apply because I've had the same friends I had since second grade. And so I guess I'm really proud of myself that says I'm doing something right. You have some who are like, oh no, I switch out my friends every you know year or so I need new friends. And so it's fascinating to me to sit on the sidelines and to see, mm, what do you make of that information? Friendship fading and replacing is normal. There is a, a natural friendship pruning that occurs because it's an extension of how you yourself evolve. A lot of us are moving and getting married and adopting new mindsets. And so if you just think about it, it's kind of difficult to maintain friendships with the person you were seven years ago. Maybe you guys just aren't vibing the same, your interests aren't the same or or whatever it is. And so they gradually fade out for whatever reason. Also, you know, as we become adults, we have a limited amount of time and so, you know, those people you're prioritizing may not be priority anymore as you make mom friends and 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 now you feel like they can relate to you and support you. And it kind of shifts out the, the high school friends. That's all natural. I think what is important to know about friendship fade is that the goal should be to create something meaningful uh, that's long lasting. But if it doesn't, to not beat yourself up or to wonder, well, what's wrong with me that I can't maintain this? Because for most of us, it is happening in kind of like a cycle of seven years or so. Okay. I have so many questions about this. So I, I think that a couple of things happen. I don't know how often people are, like, I guess, how would how often would you say people are on the same page about a friendship fading because something that I've gotten to see in different parts of my life and, you know, a lot of the women listening, they're like, sometimes I'm on the side where I'm like, I think it's ready to, or I think it's time to kind of start fading out. Or sometimes someone else is on that side and we're feeling like a friendship is fading out of our lives and that's really hurtful. So how, how often are people on the same page about that? This is a tricky one, right? Because it, it, kind of feels hurtful, like to know like, wait a second, is she fading me out? And and there's so much, you know, personal stuff wrapped up in, in being friends with other people. It's, it's a very personal and vulnerable experience. You know, research, there was a, a study that was done. Now, you know, admittedly it was with college students, but I think it could apply to everyone. I'm not yeah. sure. But they discovered that only half of our friendships are reciprocal. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that only half your friends secretly like you and the others secretly hate you. And you're like, oh my gosh, which ones, you know, are, are faking it? So that, that's not information to make us paranoid. But it simply means that I might see somebody as a level nine friend in my life and she sees me as a level four. And I know that that can make some listeners cringe right now. Like, oh my gosh, she only sees me as a four. But if you think about it in the reverse, there are people you see as a four and they see you as their nine. And so to expect that we're always going to be walking around seeing each other as the same friendship number at all times is not really realistic. Um, I feel like that information can actually be liberating if you really lean into that. And and I think there's something really beautiful when you find somebody and you are each other's level nine. You know, that's that's a really beautiful thing to be in sync in that way. But to the way that we prioritize each other is different. It's different based on what I'm looking for in my life or or what I feel like I need right now. And so all those things aren't necessarily going to happen 
in lockstep with each other at all times. So if you find yourself in a place where you're like, okay, I think it's time to fade this out. I don't have the same uh, level of interest or time to invest anymore. Um, that's totally natural. I think the issue becomes how we do it because I'm really big on not wanting or with with leaving people with as little damage as possible because we send women back into the world and now they have complexes about friends because of how we ended things in a way that wasn't very gracious. And so if you do find that you don't have the time or interest to invest and you want to make it known as opposed to doing that thing that some of us women do where we're like, oh, I'll just keep texting her, but you know, okay, I'll go to this thing, but I really don't want to go. And I feel like that's doing a disservice to you both. You become resentful because you're spending time you don't have. She is, you know, in the company of somebody who doesn't want to be there, which is unfair. And so I know some of us think we're being polite to, you know, endure things that make us unhappy, but it's, it's, I would argue that it's not necessarily a noble thing. If you're unsatisfied, she's unsatisfied, but you think you're doing it to just, you know, show long suffering or whatever it is. (laughs) And so if you find that you're in that space and you want to make it clear so that you're not dragging it on, the key thing to remember in hard conversations is to make it about you and your needs and not her and her inadequacies. So I'm not going to say things like, I just feel like you're too this, or I think that you're not this enough, or I think we're in different seasons, you know, which sometimes makes people feel like you're putting yourself in a, in a higher you know, level than them. And maybe it's just something like, hey, listen, you know, I know I haven't been available lately to chat and I've been prioritizing XYZ lately. And I don't think it's going to allow me to maintain the friendship in the same ways that we used to. And so I just want you to know it's not personal, but, you know, I am really putting my time and attention into these things right now. And now I'm speaking more to like, I've got this going on and I choose to prioritize that. And I love you. I'm thinking about you. But that that fade off that you sense and that lack of availability, that is very real. And here and here is why. And so Sure, I know for some of us, we just broke out in a bead of sweat hearing that, like, oh my God, there's no way that I could do that. But even though it might be uncomfortable in the now, she's clear, you're clear. She might feel some kind of way, but at least you did it with, you know, honesty and and, and some dignity. If you find that friends are fading out with you, the first thing I'm going to, you know, challenge you to do is to see if you're making that message up in your head. Because I always say that a lot of female friendships end prematurely because we create our own narrative. So maybe she didn't text you back or maybe she's not available to hang out next weekend. A lot of us will go straight to like, oh my gosh, she's not interested anymore. Or maybe I made her mad. Or maybe I... And you made up your whole own story that dictates your behavior, and now you're responding to something that did not happen. You made it up. And so if you ever find yourself lacking clarity and being like, wait, did I make her mad or is she pulling away? To ask and to just simply say like, hey, I noticed you know, you haven't been free the past couple of weeks. You know, are you still, is everything okay? Or have I said anything to kind of put you off? Are we good? And give her a chance to tell you, are you crazy? No, I've just been busy with work. But the first thing I'd say is get clarity first before you make up your own narrative of what is taking place. If you do find, because we've got intuition as women, if you do find that you've asked and you sense that she really is not interested it's okay. I know it's a little hurtful, but instead of taking it personally, just see it as data that you need to make a decision about where to spend your time. Put your head on the swivel and look around to the women who are eager to, you know, hang out with you, who are calling you up and texting you and spend more time with people who are who are reciprocating. Okay, this is so helpful. And truly, I feel like ending friendships is one of my biggest weaknesses. Like people ask me all the time, how do you, you know, how do you know if you need to end a friendship? How do you do it? And, and I think I'm better at it if there's like 
a cause. You know, it's like, nope, like that is a boundary that's crossed. You do not deserve to be treated that way, that kind of thing. But if it's just this fading thing makes me like, I don't know if you're an Enneagram person, I'm a two. And so I'm like, I really am just sweating over here, but this is so good. What do you do though? Like, so I know that even if it's not personal, there is hurt on either side. Like, so if you're if you're the one who's like fading someone else out, you know that even though it's not personal, you've made sure to tell them it's not personal. Like, you know that there is a part of them that's saying, but yeah, if I like, maybe if I was X, Y, Z, she would want to prioritize me. Like mm-hmm. she's still like, you're still feeling like that person is saying, I don't want to prioritize you. So as the recipient of that, what do you, how do you categorize that hurt in your brain. Yeah, I think it's so hard because friendship is so personal, but it is so unlike any other institution. So it, on our job or in a romantic relationship, you know to expect certain milestones. So at your job, you get hired, you know you're an employee, and then you know how you're trying to advance, like what next role you're going for. When you're dating someone, you know that like, oh my gosh, I'd like to be his wife. And then I'd like to, and it's very clear. It's normal to have conversations about what are we? What are we doing here? I want to make sure we're on the same page. And every other institution, there are these 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 anticipated milestones so we know if we're on track. Friendship is so tricky because one, we all define it differently. And some people use that word very loosely, others do not. We enter into it very loosely. We fade out of it very loosely. And because of that, there's a lot more confusion around, wait, are we good? Are we not? I want out, but do I announce it or is that too formal? And so because all that stuff is, is relative and there are no rules, it makes it kind of tricky sometimes and, and a little foggy on on how to operate. If you find yourself in a space where you're like, gosh, she, I feel rejected. I feel like she doesn't want to prioritize me. Yes, that is hurtful. I think it's hurtful because, you know, when people quote unquote choose us as their friends, it does confirm certain things about us. It makes us feel worthy and lovable and interesting and funny. Like I think I'm funny because my girls think I'm funny. So if they choose to withdraw, then I'm going to start questioning, am I interesting? Am I funny? Am I lovable? Because now they're choosing to to leave. So what does that say about me? And so I do think there's something to, you know, being a good friend and things like that, but you cannot put your identity in your friendships. I understand that's easier said than done, but if women choose to defriend you, quote unquote, whatever that looks like, I know your brain's naturally going to go to, wow, how am I I lacking? How am I falling short that they would choose to leave? But, you know, do what you have to do to grieve and try to find a way to disassociate their choice with your worth and value. And I, again, I know that's so easy to say, but can be hard to do. But just remember that friends are such a gift. They really are. And and we were wired for community. However, if you have women who choose to leave your life for whatever reason, or they're pulling back, or they've gotten a new friend and now you feel replaced, to remember that doesn't determine your worth or or lovability or level of interestingness, you know, um, that you're still all those things. A lot of times in coaching calls, one exercise I'll have women do is tell me, I'll say, you know, what are your anchors? What are the things that you know to be true about yourself? And nobody can tell you differently. And we get really clear on that. And I say, okay, so I want you to hold tightly to those because you're going to question them the next time a woman fades you out or she, I need you to be clear on those things all the time. 
that you are smart and really fun and really loyal that is not going to change. But for some reason, we go down a spiral of questioning all those things if a woman chooses to defriend us. And so you've got to be clear about what it is you offer um, as a woman um, before you go into a spiral of questioning those things about yourself when somebody else chooses to go a different direction. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Everyone, like, you're get to the end, start over, and then just write everything <laughs> down. Okay, so then as the person who feels like it's time to fade out, you know, you're like, I just, I'm maxed out with my relationships right now, or I have a million other things going on. Like, I just, my plate is is full and overflowing. And you know that fading out this person or having the conversation with them, no matter how much you reiterate that it's not personal, it's not about them, it's not a reflection of of how you see them or their worth or anything like that, you know you're going to make them sad. Like, can you, I don't know, give us like a pep talk or something, just a reminder. Like <laughs> in that moment, you're about to call up a friend, you know you're going to hurt them. Why do we still need to do it? Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of for this, some of the same reasons we mentioned before and, and uh, for, for some of us, and I hear it in you a little bit. For some of us, you know, we do take such pride in being great friends and having a big heart and being yeah. generous and being Christian women. And so some of us struggle with, is this action going to make, is this action going to look contradictory to all the things I believe about myself? So if you believe you're nice and mellow and cool and friendly and and godly, and you have to let someone go, a lot of us are like, well, I can't do that because... It, would make me look unkind. I'm not unkind. I can't set that boundary and be firm with it because that'll that'll make me look really harsh. Is it Christian to be harsh like that? And yeah. so I think a lot of us have to get clear on, you know, and I, I am no Bible scholar, but the whole being concerned with being nice and likable, I didn't necessarily see Jesus doing that. So I'm just... <laughs> So I'm just saying like, there's a way to be firm and unfortunately, you know, somebody's feelings might be hurt because of it, but to look at the alternative, and like we said before, maintaining something or avoiding a hard conversation, are you leaving things open to interpretation? Is she getting the wrong message? Are you complaining to your spouse and your other friends about her blowing up your phone, which is so unfair to her, but because you won't tell her like, girl, I am just, it's been so crazy over here and I don't, you know, once you think I'm thinking I'm ignoring you, but I've got so much going on. I don't think I'll be able to kind of maintain this the way I was before. And I'm, I'm so sorry, it's not personal, you know? So yeah, for those moments of discomfort, we have to kind of look to the other side. There's freedom in that for you. You're not growing resentful. You don't become a complainer in your circle about this person. I had one woman I coached and she was she was a strong Christian woman, had a lot of friends, and she was struggling because she had a friend who was so clingy and she felt so burdened. And she was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to tell her. And 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 we had the same conversation. And she told me a story about how the friend was blowing her up on text message and she was just so sick of it. She texted her husband a, a screenshot of it and was like, see, this is what I'm talking about. And don't you know, that text did not go to her husband. It went to the friend and she was mortified. But it's just like things like that tend to happen when we have growing resentment, but we will not muster the courage to have a hard talk. And you know, you you 
pray over things too. If you know that what you're doing is is fair and you're being loving about it, you, you can't necessarily control how a person will feel. That's kind of for them to deal with. If you know, if you know you are doing it in love and with fairness and firmness, there's nothing unchristian about that. If anything, it's, you know, that's, we see lots of stories about, you know, having hard talks in the Bible. We really do. And so if your heart's in the right place, it might be a temporary discomfort, but it might be the best thing in the end. A lot of us have stories of being ghosted by friends or being lied to. So just imagine that, how much better it would have been if somebody just told you straight up and you can get on with your life. Uh, So keeping that in mind might help with that perspective as well. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. This is so helpful. Uh, Yes. Oh my gosh. This is so helpful. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I've been having to remind myself of as I've been like clearly walking through this just for, I mean, for years in my own life is that when you say yes to something, that means you're saying no to something else. Mm -hmm. And so and that's really kind of been the the clincher for me. That's been the turning point because I, you know, I look at my day and I have, you know, a husband now. Now I have, I have two babies. I have uh, almost a 10 month old twin. Yes. And, uh, you know, I have a job. I have, you know, I have this l- list of priorities. And sometimes I actually have to make a list because again, this is such a struggle for me. I don't want to hurt someone. The last thing I mm. want to do is cause hurt in anyone, especially someone I care about, and especially like friendship hurt. Like I don't want to inflict that on someone. But when I look over, you know, this list of of things that I'm responsible for or, you know, people that I I have committed to for life, you know, uh, that are in my family or, you know, whatever that looks like, if I spend time half maintaining this, you know, all these other things, and this goes for all kinds of things, not even just friendships, I have so much less to give to those things that are actually my things. And, you know, when I picture giving something, giving my time, taking it away from like, you know, my mom or, you know, my daughters and handing it to someone who I don't know very well, like that's when I go, okay, no, 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 that, that makes sense. I can't keep giving this away because it's, it's not fair. It's not right. It's not what's best for the people that I am truly deeply committed to. And that kind of, I don't know, helps me. I remind myself of that. No, yes. Okay. First of all, I love this so much. So let me give you some research to give you some perspective a little bit. Okay. Okay. So I always say research is just, it's just a guideline because sometimes people get hung up on the exact number. It's just a little guideline and it helps us see like where other people are and where we are in comparison and all that. There is a um, a man by the name of Robin Dunbar, and his most famous study has to do with our cognitive capacity when it comes to social networks. And he argues that our brains can only maintain 150 connections. Now, for a lot of us listening, you might be like, I have 3,000 followers. I could do more than that. Yeah. But we're talking about like in your head, like people's names, you know, your husband's cousin, the barista you see every day, your brain can only handle 150 of those. Okay. And so if you think of that 150 as like a circle and then rings or, or concentric circles inside of that getting smaller and smaller, the smallest circle inside of that is the number five. And that represents close relationships. So the argument is that your brain can only handle maintaining five close relationships, whatever that means to you, okay? Because it takes work, energy, and brain cells to dedicate to showing up for other people, being vulnerable, listening to them, supporting them, 
five. And get this, the idea is that if you have a romantic partner, that person takes up two of the five spaces, leaving you with three, which is funny because a lot of women are like, oh my God, I have three kids. What does this mean for me? Those are all my spots, but just like close relationships, right? And so if that's the case, I, I want us to take that research, that information and process it this way. It's generally speaking to the fact that you only have limited brain space for so much. And I hope that has a lot of us having a collective sigh of relief as we say, oh, okay, because I only have two close friends or four close friends. I've been wondering if that's normal. Yes. I hope it's a, a sigh of relief for those of us who feel like we've got to do all the things and we've got to put a drop in 25 buckets to keep everybody happy. You are going to exhaust yourself. If you're feeling tired, that is probably why. For my extroverts who feel disconnected, that's probably why, because it's very important to you to go wide instead of going deep. So if I'm looking through my call log and I'm like, oh gosh, okay, I haven't caught up with Susan. I need to talk to Tanya. I'm supposed to be doing, I think that's all noble. I get where that's coming from. Having a heart to connect with a bunch of people. I get it. I think we maybe need to find creative ways to maybe keep in touch or to show them that they're on our mind. But at the end of the day, you have to identify you have to make decisions. Who are your three to five? Who are the women in your life who are like, I don't care what goes down. This woman, like I need her in my life. Or for those listening who are like, I don't even have close friends. Okay, just start with women who you really admire, who you see all the time. And you're like, man, she seems really cool or she's really funny. I'd like to get to know her. Okay, great. Put her name on your list of three to five. And then what things could you be doing to intentionally get to know this person to create depth? Because you only have so much space and so much time. So for those listening who are in the same space as you, who feel exhausted or who feel guilty, I'm starting to see women who feel bad that they can't keep up with all the things. I understand that. I sympathize, but you're going to have to get clear on who your, your three to five are. And those other women, we call those fringe friends. So people kind of on the outside, you, you actually need them too. So it's not like cut them off. You need that. And research shows we need fringe friends too. But can you get a little uh, strategic about how you're trying to prioritize all these people? Is it possible that you can prioritize your three to five, but maybe every quarter you have a group thing where you get to see all your girls or you can kind of, you know, so how can you get creative about checking in? Or can I send her a text or a card to say, I'm thinking of you? And that's going to have to do for now, but I can't invest all these uh, hours that I don't really have anymore for 25 different people. It just doesn't work like that. And then being uh, confident that, you know, that that's going to have to be enough and to kind of take yourself away from, well, what if I look like I'm not checking in enough? What if I look like you, you're going to have to kind of separate from that? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Hey guys, I hope you're loving this conversation with Danielle as much as I am. She's the best, right? I wanted to pop in for one quick second because our show would not be possible without our sponsors. So I wanted to take a quick second to thank the company sponsoring us today. Our sponsor today is a company that I just love. It's HelloFresh. Now I know that lots of y'all have heard of them, but just in case you haven't, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can cook eat and enjoy. I love that. So you guys know this about me, but I'm not the best cook. Now I've definitely gotten better over the years, but I still do not love meal planning or cooking. It's not my thing. Plus fall is here. And if you're anything like me, your schedule fills up so much more quickly in the fall. Cutting down on meal prep and shopping time is absolutely necessary. And that's why I love HelloFresh. 
First of all, with HelloFresh, there is something for everyone, including vegetarian, calorie smart choices, and gourmet options. That's fancy, right? One of the best meals I've made was their chicken sausage spaghetti bolognese. It was so good, I am still thinking about it. And not only is the food delicious, but the process of making it is so easy. All the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits, so you know which ingredients go with which recipe, and that means there's less waste. Plus, recipes only take 30 minutes or less. And I'm telling you, I am a beginner in the kitchen, and even I can cook these recipes. They are so simple, and they come outlined on pictured step-by-step instruction cards. They walk you all the way through the whole thing, and it kind of feels like a cooking lesson. HelloFresh actually makes cooking fun. I'm also a huge fan of HelloFresh because it's actually over 30% cheaper than just shopping at the grocery store. And their pre-portioned ingredients help so that no food is wasted. This is great news for those of us on a budget, right? And those of us who find ourselves throwing away way too much food. Anyone else? And of course, I love HelloFresh even more because they want to give you a promo code to get 14 free meals. If you go to hellofresh.com slash girlsnight14 and use code girlsnight14, you can get up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. Again, go to hellofresh.com slash girlsnight14 and use the code girlsnight14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh, thank you so much for sponsoring our Girls' Night. We just love having you. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Danielle. I don't know if I'm if I'm going to be able to like explain what this is doing in my head, but for people who are feeling like, you know, I don't have as many friends as I want, or I don't have a three to five, and and I would really like more close friends. I think a lot of times it can feel like everyone else already has their people, but to know that everybody else can only maintain three to five as well, it's like it's not that there are a whole bunch of spots and they're already taken by other people. It's like. I, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like there's room for us because it's not like the, the, I don't know. It's not like high school or whatever, where it's like the popular girl has space for 30 and you're not part of it. It's like, no, she only has space for three to five as well. And so that means all the other people who would have wanted to put her in their three to five, like they have space too. I don't, I don't know if that like makes any sense. But- yes. No, that makes, that makes great sense. And I think it's a good reminder. You know, we, we blame social media for a lot. It's like the scapegoat for a lot of things, but it, I think it's totally natural. I know some people like to act like they're above it. Okay. I don't care how much self-confidence you have. If you look at social media and you see the pictures with, you know, 10 girls on a boat for somebody's birthday yeah. or they're meeting for a Bible study and there's like eight women and you're like, God, I'd love to have a, a strong group of eight women. And so we see this and we're like, oh, I don't have that. I don't have that. You also have no idea what's going on. Do you know how many women I have coached and they're coming to me, not because they don't have friends, but because, you know, they're, they're, they don't feel close to the friends that they have. And they are like, you know, I, I, trust me, I have friends, but I never see them. And sometimes I feel like they don't understand me. And so you have no idea what those girls are going through. And I can tell you that personally. And so we'll see the, the hashtag squad goals and be like, gosh, I don't have that. Why don't I have that? It's too late for me to have that. But even my extroverted girls were like, uh, Danielle, I have 10 best friends okay, that's great. But I'll just challenge that person to think how many of those 10 best friends are you closest to? You're probably going to give me three to four to maybe five names, not all 10. I, I, it's just, you know, and, and, and maybe that's true. I don't want to take away, I don't want to detract from people's experience, but you know, I just, my, my point here is to be careful of comparing to other people. You know, we recently launched a, a program that takes you through like the five stages of adult friendship. And the very first one we talk about is mindset and the seven lies that I've identified that women believe that gets in the way of making new friends. And one of them is what you just said. It's too late for me. Everybody already has 
has their friend group. And I want you to think about the ripple effect that probably has on your life. If I believe that it's too late, first of all, from a Christian perspective, God can do anything. So for me to tell him you've, you've missed the timeline and you forgot about me is just doesn't even align with who he is and what he can do. But secondly, you know, if you believe that it's too late for you to make real deep friendships because of whatever reason, then it's indirectly going to affect how you engage with new people. Because in the back of my mind, I don't even really believe this can lead to anything. And so you set yourself up, it becomes like this self-fulfilling prophecy. You have women making really great friends at 60 years old after yeah. you know they retire or whatever it is. It is never too late. And also that whole like, oh, well, these girls have had their friendships for like 20 years. You know, I I, I haven't had that. And I, I my closest friend I've only known for a year. Your one year friendship is just as valid as women who've been friends for decades. So we've got to stop comparing. We've got to stop thinking it's too late. You can really start cultivating deep friendships really at any time. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, I can totally, totally like vouch for that. Some of the times in my life when I've looked like I had the most friends where I was the most included or the most like part of something have been the times when I was the most lonely because you have no idea what's happening within those friend groups. I think we've all experienced times where we're, you know, in a crowd, but we feel we've never felt so alone or, you know, we talked about at the beginning, like we as women can be the one of the best things to ever happen to each other. We can also be one of the worst. And so when you see 10 girls on a boat, like hashtag squad goals, you have no idea that like, I don't know, half of them are just dying inside because they, you know, so-and-so said something about them or they weren't invited, but then they were, or, you know, whatever. There are so many dynamics that can happen in friendships. And so whatever you see from the outside may not actually be what's happening on the inside. And I think that there is, I think that there's something worse than having no friends. I think that's having really mean friends. Yeah, I think it does more damage. And so I wanted to ask you about that. Like, you know, because of my experiences in, in different parts of my life, I tell the women in my community a lot. And really, this is what I wish I could go back and tell myself at like, 12 and 18 and 25 and at different points is you do not have to be friends with people who are mean to you. And I I just don't think I I just didn't know that for a really long time. But how do we when we find ourselves in friendships where we just don't like maybe we're one of the 10 on the boat but we do not feel like safe or included. How do like what are some kind of red flags we should look for in our friendships and what do we do if we realize, you know, the friend group that we're a part of, it looks like we're a part of it, makes us feel terrible. Like, what do we what do we do about that? So I'm going to start with some tough love first, because, you know, I, I love being able to specialize in female friendship. I love being able to specialize in this space because we can really get granular with the stuff that affects us as women kind of exclusively. And I know I'm kind of, you know, sometimes we generalize, but, you know, you, you take what you can from it that applies. First, I'm going to start with some tough love because... I hear a lot of statements sometimes about um, they, my friends don't support me. They don't get me. She was rude. And whenever I hear that kind of language in a coaching session, I ask, can you tell me what that looks like? Can you give me an example of what that looks like? Because so often we use these blanket statements of like, she was rude or she was mean. Well, what does that look like? First question. And then second question is, um, did you tell her 
or does she know? To which sometimes mm-hmm. women will say, oh my gosh, Danielle, come on. Like, I shouldn't have to tell you that. Like, that's so obvious. Like, I shouldn't have to tell her that's so obvious. And so I know it sounds super simple, but the very first thing I'd say is if you have, if you're in an experience right now where you feel like these women are distancing you or she said something that really made you very uncomfortable, that probably really was your experience. My question for you is, does she know that? Does she know that her not coming to that party that you had you know, to you looked really unsupportive. Does she know that she forgot your birthday? I I mean, seriously, I know some women would be like, Danielle, come on, if you forget my birthday, we're done. You know, but does she know? And how might she have operated differently if she had all the information, if she knew this event was very important to you, if she knew that um, that particular word she used was offensive to you, would she have operated differently? So the very first thing I'm going to say is before we make these interpretations of these women are awful or my friend shouldn't have done that, Really, have you made it clear that that was not cool or that whatever she said or did was your experience? Because I'm more interested in how she responds. If she's saying something like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I will never do that again. I never met. That's what we're looking for because that's a sign of healthy conflict. Girl, you said this thing, made me feel weird. And it gives her the chance to say, I am so sorry. I did not mean that. But a lot of us will make interpretations like we talked about earlier, run with it, be like, those girls were awful. She was awful. Okay. Now, if you're in a space where you're like, Danielle, trust me, the thing I'm thinking about, these girls really were awful. This friend really is me. If that's the case, no, you should not be a part of a friendship like that. A couple signs, you know, and take this all in context, a couple signs that it might be time to release a friendship because it's not good for you. If you feel like, this person is always guilting you, manipulating you, judging you. Like if you make a life choice on something that she does not agree with and you know she's going to make you feel bad, correct you, tell you she disapproves, makes you feel ashamed for that choice you made because she would never choose like that. And this is a repeated thing. That's like the theme of all my advice. And she's doing it all the time. And you've already told her how it makes you feel. And this is just how she operates. It's time to go because you cannot, I don't want you being a part of something where you have to measure your words. And if you tell her what, you know, the truth about what you did, she's going to make you feel bad. How could you do that? There's no space for that. We should be able to, to, for the most part, be our full selves and relax into being our full selves. And if you're always on wondering if she's going to tell you how much she disapproves, that's a problem, you know? And so I don't necessarily know if in your life that looks like a hard cutoff or if you just kind of distance yourself a little bit and you just put her in the category of like, hey, she's fun to hang out with, but not to be vulnerable with. I don't know how you want to manage that. But yeah, that would probably get in the way of of her being a, a good friend. If you experience any kind of ongoing lying. We shouldn't, there's no time to be constantly wondering if a girl is telling the truth. You see her gossiping about other people. I'm not saying cut her off, but yeah, there's, there's something that's naturally going to happen where you just got a signal of like, okay, I can't trust her with stuff. And sometimes it's hard to be around somebody who, you know, you've got to measure what you share because she's probably going to go and tell other people. And so, you know, gossiping is something that I don't know if it it does. I don't vilify her. She's not a bad person. It's such a nasty habit that I have gotten into before, you know, you just, you don't even realize you're doing it and you are, but you're signaling to other women when you do that, they can't trust you with information. And therefore I cannot have a deep uh, friendship with you. It's not possible. If I don't trust you, it's not possible. If you see things like she's not investing in the same ways you are, or I should say in the same level you are, because, you know, one of the top questions I, I get aside from how do I make friends is I feel like I'm always initiating and she's never matching my, again, 
listen to Daniel's like common themes here. If you have already said so, if we're taking action based on something you made up, we're going to have a problem. If you've already said so, and you still feel like, gosh, I'm always calling. And, and when I suggest hanging out, she's never available, you know, then again, she's not a bad person. But based on what you need right now, if you're not getting it, then maybe it's time to invest your energy into somebody else is all I'm saying. So if for you, a need is to, you know, have quality time, that's a love language for you. Mm-hmm. And for you, that's really important. But for her, it's really not. She is not a bad person. But unfortunately, it looks like you guys aren't compatible in that way. And so maybe you, you still see her when you can, but you start to focus on women who give you the same thing back. And so some of those things are kind of your signs, you know, manipulating, guilting, shaming, you know, anything where you're in a group setting and she, it looks like intentionally embarrasses you or the joke is at your expense, stuff like that. I have zero tolerance for. If we tell her again, if I make it known to her after it's over and say, hey, what did you mean by that? When you, you know, when we were all on the boat and you said that thing, what did you mean? Because I'm not quite sure what to make of it. You'll notice in my, you know, fake scenario here, I'm asking her questions. I am not being accusatory. Hey, that's Mm. messed up what you said. It's more, what did you mean by that? If I notice that this is what she does, like when we're out, I'm the butt of the joke. And I've already said, girl, you know, it made me feel some kind of way when you said that. And she's still doing it. This person doesn't respect you know, how, how I feel. And there's no emotional safety there. So things like that, you know, taking public jabs, making you feel bad about your life choices, being inconsistent and unreliable, things like that. Maybe it's time to kind of look in a direction where you can get the uh, reciprocity you're looking for. It's so good. It's so good. I'm trying, gosh, I have so many things I want to ask you about. I, I know that there are some women. I know that there are some women because I've talked to a lot of them that are listening that go, you know, I want great friends. I want to be a part of something. I want to have people to share my life with. But I find that I am always the person that people don't choose. Like, I feel like I'm Mm -hmm. always the one, I'm always the odd man out. Like there's a group of four and I'm always the fifth or like, I'm always the one being faded out. I'm, I just feel like I'm never being chosen as someone's best friend. What advice do you have for the, the, for those girls? That's really hard because we all want to be desired and pursued. I mean, even platonically, you want to know that there are women who are like, I love Danielle. I'm going to text her. I can't wait to hang out with her. We all want to be desired and pursued. So I totally understand the disappointment surrounding feeling like no one's pursuing or that you're not interesting or lovely enough for people to pursue. It feels devastating. Again, this is one of those things where it's easy to say, but it's going to be quite a process to actually, you know, apply. But, you know, you have to find a way to keep being a good friend to other people. This does not mean people pleasing. This does not mean I'm trying to impress her, get her to like me, but being a good friend to women in your life and to find a way to not obsess about like having the one person who's your person and the whole best friend thing. You know, recently on my podcast, the Friend Forward podcast, we did an episode on, you know, having a best friend and a lot of us want one. And I always argue that. I think that is beautiful. I, from experience, having a best friend is awesome. But I want you to pay attention more to what you need in your life. Probably, you know, somebody to be vulnerable with, somebody who makes you laugh. Is it possible that you can get that from a collective and it didn't necessarily all come from one person. 
it's cool if it does, it has its benefits, but do you have people in your life you could share something with who you could call at two in the morning to pick you up because the car broke down or whatever it is? Do you have people you can laugh with and can you find a way to be satisfied with getting it from the collective, even though it doesn't come from this one friend group or this one particular friend. And so I would challenge women who feel like I'm not being equally chosen to first identify, well, what is it you need? And are you getting what you need essentially from the the community? Um, And if not, how can you go and get whatever it is you're looking for? Um, If you find that, you know, if we're getting really specific, that women are quote unquote leaving you out, like they're going out and doing things and they didn't invite you and things like that. I have three tips for that. You know, the first is I don't want you to assume it's a conspiracy and everybody decided, oh, she's the worst. Let's not invite her because some of us get in our head about like, oh my gosh, maybe they hate me or they, it's not a conspiracy. Most times. The second tip I have for you is to make your desire known. And, and there's so much vulnerability in that. And a lot of us are like, I don't want to look lame. I don't want to make your desire known. So if you see that a group of girls you you thought you were cool with, who they've gone out or they've had Zoom dates without you twice in a row, then to say something like, oh, I saw you guys went to that new little Italian restaurant last week. It looks so cute. Listen, next time you go, I'm trying to make sure I, I get out and about and be social. Next time you go, let me know. I would love some girl time. I know there's something very vulnerable about that. It is. And vulnerability means you get comfortable uh, putting yourself in a position where you can be exposed or rejected a little bit. There is a chance that the next time they go, they don't invite you. There's a chance. But there's also a chance they had no idea you'd be interested. Or a lot of women think they're doing you a favor. You have new babies. I've had women who they stop inviting because they're like, oh, she's probably bit. It's like ask me, give me a chance. We do that a lot. Or she probably can't afford to go on this trip. So we're not going to invite her, but they think they're doing it from a noble reason. So make your desire known. So at least we we know that they had a chance. So to say like, Hey, I saw you guys went out. Oh my gosh. I need girl time so bad. I can't even tell you next time you go, give me a shout. And now I put it out there. So now they know, you know, and then the third thing to remember if you're, you're being left out is to think about are there any things that you've done unintentionally that might signal that you that you are not available? So I know some girls will say like, well, yeah, well, I guess when I think about it, I did reject the last five invitations. Hmm. Okay, because at some point we are training them are not available. And for them, it's a it's a little bit of rejection. So if when people say no, you know, can you come? And you're like, oh, I can't. Or if you're canceling last minute. Or, you know, are there things that you're doing unintentionally and you haven't made the connection between, oh, goodness, okay, maybe that's why I've told them no 50 times, you know? And so, again, that goes back to step two. If you make it known, now they know, oh, she she is open. But if they continue to not invite you, like we said before, find a way to disassociate that from what it is you have to offer, what are your anchors, and let them go do their thing. You just keep being a good friend and showing up and um, and finding a way not to tie your identity to other people um, and their choices about you. So good. So good. So we have time for like one more question. And so I wanted to ask you, you know, for all of us, you know, we talked about you need to make new friends in every season. And that's just such a good reminder because it really like, I, you know, I've talked to so many people who are like, I didn't you know, meet my best friend in high school or in college or whenever you were supposed to, quote unquote, you know, it's too late for me. It's like, no, we really do. Especially if we're fading out half of our friends every seven years, like we're going to have to keep making friends. And so for the woman who's sitting here going, you know, I would really love to find my people. 
I, I really am looking for these deep friendships in my life. Do you have just a couple tips for like how to, how to start cultivating this? in our lives. I do. I do. Okay. So a couple things. The first thing is I want you to get clear on your expectations of a friend, because again, I've been doing this long enough with, with talking with women one-on-one that I know some women are like, I have a heart for friendship right now. I want new friends. And then when I say, okay, what do you expect? Like when you get these friends, what are your expectations? And when they start to describe what they're looking for, there's a problem right there. They want a person who's just like them and the same age, and they have the same exact interests. And when she calls her, this woman's going to answer and she's going to be available. And already we have issues. And so the very first thing I want to encourage you to do is to really be open about what this friend might look like, what her background is, because I think a lot of us are missing some opportunities because we've never maybe really thought about it before, but you're looking like somebody who's just like you and you guys have the same exact sense of humor and you have the same level of faith and you have kids and she has kids. Let it go. That would be my first tip because you're probably missing out. It might be a woman who is the coolest person ever and she's got five years on you or five years younger or, you know, you don't know. So that's my very first tip. The second tip is to think about people who are already in your network. So a lot of times we use the phrase make new friends and meet new people synonymously, but the two are not necessarily the same. If you are making friends. That refers to the art of cultivating something meaningful with another person. Who said that has to start from scratch? A lot of us are like, I want to meet a stranger and become best friends. And that's cool. Sure. Yes. I love the idea of two women in the coffee shop waiting in line. You say something funny and this girl behind you laughs and you're like, um, I love you. Let's be best friends. And so that's great. Totally possible. But is it also possible that there are women in your network who you've dismissed for some reason or another as being like too old, too girly, too nerdy, too young? And so you never really entertained the idea of them being your friend? Or are there women who you'd love to be friends with, but you've told yourself like she's too cool for me or she already has friends and you've dismissed Start with who you already know because you have the buffer of having had shared experiences. And so, you know, it's nothing to reach out to her and say, oh, I saw this and I thought of you, you know, how are you? And just kind of getting things going with women you already know would be the second tip. So one, blow up, you know, blow out of the water perceptions you have of what she should look like and act like, okay? Number two, can you start with women you already know? Step number three, or I guess strategy number three, is I want you to identify your super connector friends. So these are people who are extroverted and they really thrive on making connections. So I'm one of those people. I love to say like, oh my God, Stephanie, you have to meet my friend Tasha because you guys would love each other. I love doing that. And so do you have people in your life who have that personality and you totally don't? Can you leverage the fact that they're like that and they are happy to put you in touch. So what this looks like is texting a friend and saying, hey, I'm looking for ways to get more connected. And I instantly thought of you because you've got a gaggle of girls around you all the time and you're always doing something cool. Is there anything around town you think is worth checking out? Or you know, do you have recommendations of places to go? They're either going to give you recommendations of places to go that you'd like or go the extra step like it's something I would do and say, Um, As a matter of fact, a couple of us are going out Tuesday. You should totally come. And you just kind of like got the invitation. And what happens there is people tend to transfer the trust they have for the super connector onto you. 
Because she just introduced you to the group, less work you've got to do, bada boom, bada bing, you're done. You know, so can you be strategic in that way? I know a lot of us are online right now because of everything that's happening in the world. One thing I want to encourage you to do there is humanize your digital experiences as much as possible. So a lot of us, we respond to each other's stories with like a heart eye emoji, or we'll comment and be like, love this. And then we feel like we connected, like you're almost tricked into thinking like, okay, I did some outreach, but you want to humanize your connections online as much as possible to turn them into friendships because they can be. So what this looks like is if you're normally sending black and white text, hey girl, or oh, your kids are such cuties, send. Like that's not, you know, I, I hate to be, it's better than nothing, but it's not really advancing anything in a meaningful way. So can you send a voice note? Can you send a video? If you're self-conscious about sending videos of yourself, can you send a video of a thing that you saw on Target that reminded you of her and start acting on thoughts you probably already have? You know, you probably already thought of her when you saw that thing, but can you just pause and say, hold on, hold on a second, let me, let me let her know I'm thinking of her and take a little video of the thing and send it to her and say, oh my gosh, what does this make you think of? That funny thing that happened last summer. Can you FaceTime? I, I know we're kind of like over that, but you have to humanize your digital connections as much as possible to start forming friendships. Um, can you stay top of mind with people? So if the last conversation I had with somebody, she mentioned a, a show she loves, can I watch one episode of it? And then the next week say, Oh my gosh, I watched the first episode of that show. You were totally right. It's hilarious, but it creates like a shared experience. And so we've got to stop seeing making friends as you go to this party or you go to this social thing and you have to strike up a conversation with strangers. There are some other ways to do it. You know, and the final suggestion I'll give for that, I know we hear this all the time about like joining interest groups on Facebook or like going to meetup.com. But these days, everything is virtual and we're in an increasingly technological world. You better get comfortable with, with doing that kind of thing because that we are online more. And so it's almost just strategic if we're just like logically kind of going through, you know, starting online, start with interest groups because you guys already have that in common. And, um, and then once we get comfortable being back out, you know, especially if you found an interest group that's rooted in your location. Now, when people are comfortable getting back out, you've already made friends with them online. So it's nothing to meet up with them three blocks away when people get comfortable. But even there, you know, doing something where you comment or slide in their DMs and you gradually take them to a quieter space. So on, you know, Instagram and Facebook, it's a loud public town square. You want to kind of get them off of those apps into a space that feels more personal. So can you gradually chat them up there and then suggest that you guys get on an app? like Voxer or Marco Polo or, you know, things like that, where I'm pulling you from the loud town square and I'm bringing you to a space that's quieter and it's more personal and I'm humanizing my interactions with you online. Before you know, it, it's like, man, this girl's really cool. And so, you know, it's a process um, to make friends. I know I always say there's no shortage of meeting new people, but a lot of us want friends that requires time. I'll end with this. There's research from the University of Kansas. They attempted to quantify how long does it take to make a friend. They found it takes 50, five, zero hours to feel like, oh yeah, I know her. We're cool. It takes 90 to feel like, oh yeah, we're friends. And it requires 200 hours to feel like 
That's my best friend. So I often joke that I wonder how intentional we would be about hanging out and spending time together if we had timestamps on our head and we could see the hours we're clocking and you go to coffee and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, we're at 36 hours. Do you want to do something next weekend? You know, so it takes time. And so I'll, you know, I'll end with the message of if you are under the false idea that you can check in on somebody every other month and think that that'll help you make friends with them. When you're starting out, it's more important than ever that you front load it with time together. And then hopefully things kind of grow and blossom from there. Danielle, thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for just empowering us. Like the the work that you do is so important. This was so helpful. We're going to have all of your contact info in the show notes because I know everyone is going to want to follow you and be your friend and do coaching with you. And so you guys head to the show notes um, and we'll give you all of Danielle's contact info. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is an important conversation and I appreciate you for dedicating some time to have the discussion. You guys, isn't Danielle amazing? I love her and I love this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's girlsnightpodcast.com. And for every episode, we have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about, including all of Danielle's contact info. So you guys can follow her and so that y'all can be friends. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take just a quick second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We have gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all and you've left the sweetest comments. I can't tell you how much it means to me. It also helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take just one quick second to leave us a rating and a review. Thank you so much. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls Night. And trust me, you are gonna love this next one. I'll see you then.